in a kind of funny, sad way. It means people find out I'm an eight and they're like, you can't be an eight, which is only interesting because I never read about the Enneagram types and vilified the type eight. But the more I kind of follow different Enneagram pages online or IG pages, it's easy to make the eight the villain, which I really don't like. I mean, eights are strong and powerful and you need them in your corner. And I love being an eight. And I love being married to an eight. I love that my dad's an eight. And I wish I had more friends that were eights and other types too, but... and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week, we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for, but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Millspo Gurus, and this is Advice Not Given. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of the Advice Not Given podcast. Today is August 4th, and I want to start this episode by wishing my husband, Ryan, a happy 19th anniversary. I know this may not be the platform for that. He may not hear it, but dang, what a milestone. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Wait, I I missed hours. (laughs) You're so sweet. That's sweet. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Today, aside from my anniversary, we also want to just dive right into talking about, gosh, we're getting to the near to the end of our Enneagram series. And today we're talking all about our Enneagram eights, our challengers. And I just want to say, I don't know if I want to call it a disclaimer, but maybe just like a little caveat. Eights, we love you. And we feel like this may be a hard conversation to hear because we know that maybe you don't always just love like all attention on you and like pointing out, you know, just general qualities that you may feel um, are coming across as criticisms. We want to just tell you in advance, we love you. We are here for you and we support you. (laughs) So... (laughs) And I, I specifically love an eight. So my husband is an eight. So y'all just brace yourself. You're going to hear a lot about him. And he does not listen. So I've <laughs> got that going for me. But um, I, there's something to that, though. Every time he's heard his type described, it's very like, it's sensitive. Because the deal is, is, is eights have been told their entire lives that they're too much. Mm-hmm. So having these things pointed out in any way that I actually don't see them as negative things a lot of the time. But if you, if there's something that you are self-conscious about, it's one of your own ego defenses, right? You're going to hear it in a different kind of way. And and a lot of the things that eights are classically called out for um, are really strong. So and that all has to do with their just nature, their their sheer force of being um, is strong. So um we, yes, agreed. We love you. We're going to, we're going to, look, I'm putting my kid gloves on. We're going to be real tender. <laughs> Very tender. Very tender. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start with our statements of you might be an eight if, and we always preface this with um, either you are already an eight or you know that you're an eight or you're tracking it. And these hopefully just kind of resonate or solidify some of your own qualities. And if you don't know your type, thinking through some of these statements, if they really resonate, it might be that this is a, an arrow pointing you to type eight. Okay. You might be an eight if you are extremely independent and you don't like having to rely on others for what you really need. I love this one. You might be an eight if you feel like you got to break some eggs to make an omelet. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might be an eight because when you care about people, you often begin to think of them as your people and you feel this sense of protection and like you need to watch out for them and for their interests. 
Uh, you might be an eight if you know how to get results. You know how to reward people and how to put pressure on them to get things done. Very great quality for those eights who are leaders. Um, you might be an eight if you don't always have sympathy for those you perceive as weak and vacillating because you believe weakness invites trouble. You might be an eight if you believe you've had to work hard for everything you have and you think and believe that struggle is a good thing because it toughens you up and it makes you clear about what you want. You might be an eight if you see yourself as a challenger or as somebody who pushes other people beyond their comfort zone to achieve their best. Um, you might be an eight if you feel most alive when you do what other people think is impossible. You like to go to the edge and see if you can beat the odds. And then last one sums it all up. You might be an eight if you believe that somebody has to come up on the short end of the stick, but you don't want it to be you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, all of that. All of that <laughs> it yeah. totally resonates. So the eights are classically referred to as the challenger, often the leader. Asserter is another great one that I like. Uh, protector mm -hmm. uh, is one that resonates for my type of eight that I love. Um, rock, provider, maverick mm. even. Um, these folks are really big hearted and it doesn't often show because it's hard to get down to that. But just keep that in mind. Right. Um, so eights are um, in the body center. So they're kicking off kind of that top triad of instinctual folks or intuitive folks. Um, everything that they interpret through the world, the way they perceive the world, they're using their instincts to be able to, to understand it. Um, the, the closest emotion that they have access to and that drives them to action is anger. Um, and eights externalize their anger. Uh, so that's why we often see them as kind of these powerful forces. They are not going to back down during an argument. Mm -hmm. Um, they are not necessarily going to, uh, assert their authority, so to speak, when they walk into a room or into any environment, but they're going to definitely take account of who's in charge. And if there's a vacuum in leadership, they're going to step up and take charge because they can't stand for things to be like unfocused or for there to be any sort of weaknesses in the system. Right. That's something that they're very, very, very attuned to. We think of them like a lot of the words and phrasing we've already used. It, it's I can see how eights can feel defensive about it because it's starting to somewhat sound like dominating and almost maybe even like a bully. But what I want to reiterate or iterate here is that that is not self-focused and that is not selfishly motivated. That is mm -hmm. literally like protection of the good yep. of others and like yeah. mama bear, papa bear kind of thing, like <laughs> protection. And so I want to just interject that, that that's, if it's sounding like, total defensiveness and domination. It's not just for self-protection measures. It's for the good of the group. So they are often kind of the first ones to step up for the underdog. Um, mm -hmm. They can spot folks that are vulnerable and their their immediate like instinct, again, um, is to protect those folks um, and to make sure that they have a voice um, and that are not in danger. So they're My name is Tracy Mann. I'm an Enneagram Type 8, and I have a nine wing. Um, what makes my eightness interesting is that I am also the counter type. So I'm a social subtype. Um, there's kind of three different versions of every Enneagram number, and I happen to be the eight that looks a little bit different than other eights, and that's sometimes compounded by my wing nine, but I'm definitely still an eight through and through. 
Um, interestingly, as I've been learning the Enneagram over the past two years, um, we've learned that my husband is also an eight. And my dad, what little I can get him to talk about the Enneagram, is also very highly likely an eight. And if not an eight, definitely um, an aggressive independent stance number. So he he could be a three with a two wing, um, but I really think he's an eight. Anyway, but it doesn't matter what I think because only you can type yourself. Anyway, so how I got into the Enneagram was actually um, because I had a goal to understand my husband better. We, um, kind of backstory, he is military and we'd been in the military for quite some time and he'd had some things happen and was processing getting out of the military and it was just a really stressful time. We'd had a really hard couple years. We moved a lot. We had a posting he wasn't pleased with. He just had had so many things happen and was carrying so much stress and so much heavy weight and he was just behaving in a way I totally didn't understand. So people had been talking about this Enneagram thing and I actually started reading and studying, not because I really cared to figure out about myself, Um, but because I really wanted to understand him better and try to understand where some of the behavioral changes were coming from and in the end to love him better and to be a better wife and figure out how to be more supportive because it just wasn't working. Um, And as a type eight, I always think I have responsibility for action. Like it's just second nature for me to do um, rather than think about something and it's second nature to do rather than feel. So of course, of course I'm gonna study something. So when I started studying the Enneagram, it wasn't really for myself, but I found it super interesting as I did study because finally um, this was like a personality typing tool and a behavioral typing tool that resonated. Um, I'd never really studied anything like Myers-Briggs or DISC that felt like me before. It always kind of felt like, oh, I'm half this and half that in little pieces, but the Enneagram kind of helped explain to me that because I'm a counter type eight with a wing nine, I do have some behavioral tendencies and some motivations that sometimes are a push-pull and kind of one drive is trying to offset the other drive. So the Enneagram helps me now because it helps me understand kind of my motivations and my behavior and the things that make me me. And since we are military and we've moved quite a bit and I'm always meeting new people and joining new groups um, and trying to find where I fit into different systems, that it it helps um, when I know other people's Enneagram numbers because it just helps me love them better and get to know them better. Because, you know, you can just beat your head into the ground trying to help somebody, um, trying to serve someone, trying to get to know someone, and it just doesn't click. And the Enneagram can help kind of bridge those gaps. Not in danger. So their their core desire, um, the core motivation for the type eight is to protect themselves. So that is at the root um, of most of what they're doing. But in that way, they're, again, they're really attuned to other people who may be kind of on the margins or um, a little more vulnerable. Um, They have a fear of being controlled Mm -hmm. or being vulnerable themselves. Um, So again, that's why they're always kind of focused on the power dynamics, right? right? Like they are happy to sit back and let somebody else run the show, but if they're not going to do it well, they're going to step up and take charge. Right. Um, So the mental fixation that kind of gets in their way uh, is vengeance. Um, Unfortunately, they actually have a kind of a hang up on betrayal and loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So they are kind of always looking out for being betrayed, right? right? So and the way around that is vengeance. That's something they struggle with. It's kind of hard to let go of the thing unless they feel like the wrong has been righted. Um, so they're also, their emotional struggle is lust, not necessarily sexual, but it has to do with uh, just the intensity at which they kind of navigate their lives. Um, and they need... <sighs> They need a lot because they are a lot, 
right? Like they just, they, they just, they, they have this huge desire to like experience life at its fullest. Um, and often that is a struggle for them because they can kind of run over others in order to get there. I'm sorry. Um, so (laughs) they, um, when they're really healthy, they're perceived as heroic. Um, so rendering self-reliant, they're strong leaders. Again, they're looking out for the underdog. They're pragmatic. Um, they're not like emotionally driven. Right. And they're not going right. to get hung up thinking it through the way the folks in the headspace will. Or they're feeling just- it like a heart, <laughs> heart number. Totally, totally. So they actually are heart repressed. So their primary center of intelligence is the body center. So they, they work through their gut. Um, and then they can rationalize what they did or what move they made. Um, but they have a hard time kind of emotionally resonating, uh, with themselves or with others. Um, again, because that invokes vulnerability, which they are not great at. Um, just most of us aren't right. Let's be real. But eights particularly have a soft spot for feeling vulnerable, being vulnerable, making themselves vulnerable because of the fact that they're worried that they'll be taken advantage of, um, railroaded. Um, well, I was just going to add to that about like maybe how eights often perceive and interact with authority to kind of piggyback on what you said. I feel like Mm -hmm. they're very skeptical of those in authority and those in power. And it's, again, it's kind of because they're motivated by the, the thought of like protecting or defending um, Mm -hmm. the greater good and being suspicious or, you know, I need you to prove yourself before I'm going to trust you kind of to, especially to authority figures. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I don't give trust easily as a five. Like I'm very skeptical by nature, but an eight is like, "Mm -mm, no, (laughs) like you got to earn it, you know? Um, And funny enough, Claire, I could see you resonating with the eight a little bit because this is the one like there's a subtype of six, uh, the counterfeit six that often, um, yeah, that often kind of positions themselves against authority in the same way as an eight does. So an eight is going to be kind of a rule breaker. Like challenger, I'm a challenger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I always say it's a lot like a, a high BS meter. Like we have a really attuned oh, yeah. and acute sense of like BS from other people, <laughs> especially yep. those in authority. Yep. So since a type eight goes to the type five in stress, um, at first I didn't really recognize any of the five traits. I kind of read that and it felt very foreign. Um, some of that is because I don't ever feel like I'm under a super amount of stress. And for the most part, I'm pretty spiritually healthy. So even my dive into the five isn't just kind of a blazing ball inferno of just stress and chaotic behavior. Um, But what I see that I take from the five is kind of I pull away. I pull away from people. I pull away from things. I disappear a little bit. Sometimes I overanalyze and I really study if there's a topic or a task or a challenge that I'm trying to overcome. Um, I gather all the data and I become almost just in a frenzy of getting all the information I can. And I see now as an eight, that's me um, trying to get a little bit of control, trying to control the situation, just trying to control the information that I have and then make some more calculated steps moving forward because a type eight is always wanting to do. Um, So the goal for me is always to gather the information so then I know the best steps to take and the most wise steps to take. I have to remember to feel in all of this that I also need to have a feeling and consider my own emotions and other people's emotions as well. Um, So that's mainly how I see myself going to the five and interestingly, I, I see my husband dive into the five as well when he is under stress and he is much more, um, I guess what you would read about in Enneagram literature, it looks more 
stereotypical. It's almost an aggressive move into silence and needing to pull back and not wanting to be around people and kind of a belief that um, nobody's there to help him and nobody's going to help him. So it's interesting to see that we both dive into the five in different ways. Um, I'm also under, well, I agree with the Enneagram teaching that you don't have to go to the low level of your stress number. Stress doesn't mean unhealthy. You can be a very healthy person and experiencing stress and move to your stress number, but it needs to be um, a really thoughtful kind of choosing of the higher level of the five traits when I know that I'm sliding that direction. Sometimes I can do it and sometimes I can't. Oh my gosh. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when, when eights are kind of falling through their levels of health and not doing real well, um, again, they can be too much, um, aggress- they can seem aggressive, uh, or controlling, um, intimidating for sure. And it's not their problem necessarily. Right. <laughs> it's kind of all of us being intimidated, uh, by them. I don't think that they're always intentionally trying to intimidate folks, but just because they're so self-assured, um, they just come off that way. So um, they're defiant. Uh, they can again be consumed by betrayal or rejection, um, and they and really uh, like really really low levels of health. They become paranoid, kind of like everyone's gonna screw me, right? Like mm-hmm. um, bitter, isolated. You can drop down uh, to the five, so the eight is connected with the five um, as their stress point, right? So whereas the five goes to eight in growth, uh, which I. I find that fascinating that I married an eight and we're connected in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like I need him to feel safe. Right. Right. <laughs> and, um, and he turns into a five or takes on some attributes of the five when he's stressed out. Um, again, there's a good way to do that in a bad way. So in a, in a good move, it, the five energy can help the eight slow down, mm-hmm. uh, pause and get perspective and practice or exercise restraint. Um, in a not so great way, uh, the eight can pull away. They can essentially take their ball and go home. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not playing anymore. Yeah. The game is rigged. It's not fair. I'm just out, um, which is a loss to everyone involved, right? Because then they're losing that advocacy, right? Like that 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 standard bearer, really, that's going to make sure that the game is fair. Um, they start to question themselves and lose, lose faith. Um, so <laughs> I always use this analogy of the two of Andrew and I both kind of in stress. Um, I would either just completely retreat and, and leave. Um, he's more like, okay, no, we're doing this. Like we're doing this (laughs) just is what it is. He'll move into action. Whereas I'm trying to analyze, right. The best Mm -hmm. decision. Um, when we look at buying appliances for our house, I research to no end before I make the purchase and then I'm fine. I know that I've made a, a smart decision. Right. Andrew would rather just buy the thing, but then he suffers from buyer's remorse after the right. because he's so quick to jump in. And a lot of times we need that. You need to move quickly. Like where the, I get paralyzed and stuff. He's like, Nope, I, I know what to do. Yeah. I don't know how I just do. I just well, know what it's to that do. trusting of gut instinct, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so those are the movements in growth. The eight can tap into the type two, which is the helper. Um, and this is actually a really beautiful sort of resource for them because it can allow them to open their hearts, um, and kind of uncover a tenderness that they've hidden, um, that they've kind of, they avoid again, because they're fearful of being vulnerable. Um, but by, by tapping into the two energy and, and being helpful and helping others and showing love to others, um, it can help them kind of explore, uh, their emotional depth, their softer um, side. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. We're, we're talking about getting a puppy, Claire. And by do the time it's here, do, we, do it. <laughs> but I've, I've been really hands off because I'm like, well, I picked the last two dogs. He didn't have a say in it, you know, whatever. And so like, I've, I sent him pictures of this litter that a friend of mine's friend has. And he's like, so excited about getting a puppy. And he's like, even to the point where he's like, can we get two? I'm like, holy crap. Who are you? It's because he's got this outlet now, like this thing that right. he can be really tender with. And he's super nostalgic for like kid stuff. Like he's a silly Star Wars nerd. And like, and it's funny to see that shift, but it allows him to kind of being kind of embracing of like tender things and sweet, right. like juvenile almost things allows him the space to be able to do that safely. Um, I know that when I go into the five or just a desire to pull back, I know I have to get with my people. And that is challenging in military life because my people are all over the place. And we've moved so many times that I often find myself in places where I don't have my people. I don't have any people. I haven't had time to meet my people. And especially right now with all this COVID stuff going on, we've been locked down without the ability um, to generate new relationships and find people because we just moved a couple months ago. So I have to remember that other people are not the enemy, that I am not the only person to carry my own burdens. And yes, I know that's also Jesus carrying my burdens with me and that God is always there, but like he gives us community and he gives us people as well. And it's so easy for me to forget that, that, um, that not only are people supposed to help, but sometimes like they have the key to what I need. Like I can't generate whatever it is I need out of my own strength and power. And then how do I surrender? <laughs> it's hard. Again, it's easy to make excuses. Oh, I've moved a lot. I don't have anybody to reach out to right now. But for me, it's definitely um, opening up those doors that I've battened down and letting people in and sharing my thoughts and feelings, which um, it's scary to share feelings because sometimes they're not reciprocated or they're trumped on or people look at you with really wide eyes. And that's really scary for an eight when we do finally share that uh, people look at us like we've lost our marbles or we've grown two heads. And then it's like, okay, well, I am too much. I am too big. So much for that. Not going to share anymore. Um, so I do have to battle that, that it's not, it, it's about me sharing and releasing those emotions. It's not really about people's response at all. So we, we've talked a lot about how eights are in the body center and, um, you know, I don't know how it's going to play out with your editing of Tracy, our eight who's shared uh, in this episode, but I know she talks a lot about like her love of fitness and exercise. And I know oh, you've yeah. talked a lot about that with Andrew and like the few other eights I won't name that I, I know are deep in their eightness are very, very in tune with their bodies and physical fitness and you know, the Enneagram Institute talks a lot about how almost a lot of times eights like to use their physical strength and build up like that physical armor as an extra protective layer over their emotions and like yeah. protecting feelings and like using all that physical strength and power to kind of like, I don't know, distance themselves. So it's also a really great release valve. Right. Um, and I've noticed that about specifically my husband, but I've also noticed it in common with other eights. Like there's, there's a need to like, they're sweat so it out energy. There's yeah. they are they are, they probably have the most energy of all the types, right? Mm -hmm. Um, nines have the least and fives have the most measured mm -hmm. <laughs> amount, but, um, they just, they're just, they just ooze it in what better way than to physically exert themselves. Um, it does help them feel powerful. It helps them feel like, um, and they just have, they're just, ah, it's just a better mechanism for them. Like me, yeah. I'd rather sit down and read a book. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're Andrew's out in the gym every chance he gets. Um, also like 
I'm, he's very physical with people. Right. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like, uh, backpack, that pack, back, patter. (laughs) Say that two times fast. Like, and it's funny, I called him out on this because he does this with men. Like if we get to a party or an event, Mm -hmm. you know, remember, remember those, Mm -hmm. um, he walks in and he's like, you know, handshakes and hugs and he'll like tap people on their shoulders, like rub, like grab yeah. their shoulders, and pat them, you know, like yeah. boys do. Or like the and little like, friend massage, like, dude, what's uh-huh. up? <laughs> no, but I'm like, Andrew, that is such a dominant thing to do. Yeah. Like you are exerting your dom. He didn't even know he was doing it. Yeah. He's like, holy crap. I was like, you're sizing them up. Yeah. And you're telling them like, oh, I'm and I'm, I've got this <laughs> more muscles than you. <laughs> And I'm like, and, but, and then there's also sometimes where he wants to like cuddle or touch up on me, like on the right. couch, watch TV, whatever. And I'm like, Mm-mm. and he can tell. Cause I'm, I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, this is not, no, I don't, you don't need to touch me. And like, even when he hugs me, sometimes he hugs too hard. Yeah. I'm like, stop, you're going to break me. He doesn't know his own strength. Like, and I'm not saying he's like a Hulk or anything crazy. He just, he breaks things a lot. Yeah. Not on purpose. He literally just doesn't know how to contain it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I say this with so much love. It's not even funny, but it is, it is funny. It's, it's true. Um, so the eight has two wings, right? There's either a seven wing or a nine wing, or I guess you could potentially have both or none. Um, the eight with a seven wing is called the independent. So they're able to draw from the seven, the enthusiast, um, they're charismatic, they're quick minded. They attract others, right? Mm -hmm. So people are drawn to them. Um, they're very action oriented and they have really big plans. Um, yeah. And these folks are also called the Maverick. Um, the eight with a nine wing, you've already kind of alluded to this, but they're called the bear. The bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that mama bear thing is very real or papa bear. Um, they're more laid back. They combine strength with a quiet groundedness. Right. Um, they're steady. They're a bit warmer. They're very family oriented, um, but they're insanely protective. So you don't poke that bear. <laughs> nope people laugh that I can't possibly be an eight. And that's where I want to say like, well, you must not know very much about an eight. You must just see the either average or unhealthy traits that are kind of mocked and make funny memes on social media, but you don't really know um, the challenger that's inside an eight that's challenging not just themselves, but other people to be their very best and challenging the status quo and challenging systems and institutions and organizations that maybe aren't functioning with everybody's best interest in mind. Like it's that is the is the heart of an eight right there. And so when I'm in my highest level of health, that becomes really natural. But in a really um, kind of soft and approachable and palatable way, instead of going into things that need change with guns blazing um, and not being received well, it's like I know how to how to help people with change in a mentorship role. I know how to identify parts of organizations or groups that I'm in. Um, and places where things could either run more efficiently or even in a more caring way. I can can feel those things. And if I'm not in charge, which is fine, I'm not one of those eights that always has to be in charge, but I am one of those eights that often gets asked to be in charge kind of without me pushing for it. So that has been interesting to learn as well. But anyway, I can come alongside the people who are in charge or in a, in a really non-aggressive, approachable way, kind of show people some ways that there might be really beneficial change to happen. And I know type eight takes on the type two qualities. I don't look super two-ish when I'm in a good place. I know there are lots of eights who 
especially female aides who are confused with being a type two because they're active and they're serving because eights are doers, eights are in the body triad, we like to do, do, do. But I'm not one of those eights that's ever confused for being a two. Nobody ever confuses, oh, I think Tracy's doing this because she wants to get love and she wants to have value because I do not, <laughs> I do not care if you love me. <laughs> I get no value out of like people thinking I'm great and cheery hearts, which is, is funny. I never thought that was strange until learning the Enneagram. Then I was like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. Now it makes sense why peer pressure was never really a thing for me because I didn't really care what everybody thought. What makes me the most proud about being type eight and type eights in general, we will keep going um, when no one else will. We will keep carrying that flag with dust and dirt and soot and grime on our faces into the battle, whatever that may be, long after other people have either lost interest or stopped or found something else to be entertained with. And this that can be a pro and a con. Sometimes we need to put down the battle flag and it's done or redirect, but sometimes somebody does need to keep going. And that's not just in a group or an organization or a certain social injustice. That's even fighting for people. Um, that's even in a discipleship world, like sticking with that person that's really trying to get their life right and really trying to follow Christ, but they just keep making bad decisions. Um, an eight in your life, who is invested will continue to push and will be there for you when everything else has crumbled. So um, I love eights. I love being an eight. I love being married to an eight because I know that we're going, we're going to get it done. There is no quit. Um, and the softness and the gentleness inside the heart is really what's moving kind of the power and aggression and the sometimes what you see on the outside forward. And because I know that's in there, it's almost like I can see people who I know who are, I think are just too outwardly aggressive, but I can almost, I don't know, reconcile with them and help them even find a bridge to whatever it is they're trying to speak about because I know the passion and the soft heart that's also inside. So the beauty that eights can bring to the world and to themselves first and foremost. And the thing that they've kind of been detached from is their virtue. Um, we mentioned the fixation vengeance kind of gets in the way of that because they can be kind of consumed with, um, protecting their vulnerability, but if they can let go of that and seek out, um, connection with their virtue, which is innocence, um, they can actually teach us a lot so they can help. It can help us understand how to be like open hearted and vulnerable, um, and so that you're not so much worried about protecting yourself and others, but you're more open to experiencing uh, life at its fullest without being so like protective. So Kelly, Kelly has uh, in earlier recording here re- referenced our eights as being almost like the Incredible Hulk. And so I want to talk about how <laughs> as the Hulk uh, can take on negative qualities like destruction and terrorizing others. Um, We don't want our eights to be stuck in those unhealthy levels, but instead be rising up through the average and healthier levels. Um, Yes, eights can be confrontational and intimidating, but we see as they are moving up that uh, continuum or spectrum of health, they can turn that definitely into self-confidence and leadership and uh, self-reliance, strength, self-surrender, We know that at their very, very best, an eight can become self-restrained. They are super merciful. They master, actually master themselves and are able to self-surrender to a higher authority. And I think that's a huge piece because we talked earlier about how oftentimes they can have trouble with authority figures. And I think when they are able to like lean in and and almost rest in the um, abilities and capabilities of authority, 
it's a, a, a time that they can just like take a breather, right? Set off their heavy backpack or their rucksack or their, their burden, mm-hmm. right? And um, mm-hmm. then we see courage just really shine through. And um, they really have the ability to influence all those around them through their, his, through their heroism and um, their tenderness. Because I think we talked about the bear being something not to poke. A bear can also be like a teddy bear and tender. And so I think that mm-hmm. um, at their healthiest levels, that's what we're seeing, that tenderness. Yeah. And I just want to add um, a note about loving eights. <laughs> um, here we're telling them, we're preaching like, oh, be vulnerable, be vulnerable. But you have to also then create space and and a safe place for an eight to be able to to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um I'm saying this as a lesson that I have personally learned over the years. And I love this story that Brene Brown tells um, in one of her books and a lot of the the speeches she gives about um, an audience member who came up to her after, you know, during a book signing or whatever. And he's, she preaches, not preaches, but she teaches a lot about vulnerability and, you know, be vulnerable, especially for men, blah, blah, blah. Um, And the, the person came up to her and said, I like what you had to say, but my wife and daughter's They'd rather see me die on top of my white horse than watch me fall off. Oh, 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 wow. Yeah. You say you want us to be vulnerable and real, but come on, you can't stand it. Um, And that, that hits hard and that hits real close because there have been moments that I've been guilty of that. Like, oh no, you're supposed to be the strong one. You don't get to fall apart right now, you know, and, or following these gender norms or anything like that. Like, no, no, no you don't, you're not allowed to break down. Like you're not okay. But here I am every other day of the year. I wish you'd be more vulnerable. Uh, Right. So ways. Yeah. Well, and like any type, we, we train other people how to rely on us or what they can count on from us. And I would think for an Mm -hmm. eight, that would have to be exhausting to feel like you can't Mm -hmm. come down off of that white horse, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge burden. So make space for that. You guys, if you love an eight, (laughs) give them a moment to let their hair down or play with a puppy or (laughs) whatever it is. Um, but also don't hold it against them when they do. Thanks for joining us this week on advice, not given for resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode, head over to our website at millspogurus.com. That's M-I-L-S-P-O-G-U-R-U-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an iTunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show. If you're interested in being a next level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given.